Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Casa de Karma podcast and I'm your host, Carly Tabor. In each episode, I chat with industry leaders who will inspire and educate you to live naturally and in epic wellness. We dive deep into topics such as nutrition, self-care, spirituality, healing, natural beauty, conscious fashion, alternative therapies, and mindful living practices. Today's guest is Cassandra Bodzak, best-selling author of Eat With Intention, Recipes and Meditations for a Life That Lights You Up. Cassandra teaches women how to create rituals using food, meditation and self-care to create sustainable success and well-being. So if you are stuck in the yo-yo dieting cycle or generally find yourself mildly chomping away, this episode is for you. Integrating intention and intuition into our relationship with food has helped so many heal from the side effects of chronic dieting and make food a truly enjoyable experience once and for all. Exactly why and how you can do this is what Cassandra shares with us today. Cassandra, welcome to the Casa de Kama podcast. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. You are considered by many as a real guru when it comes to eating with intention and intuition. So I'd love if we could dive right into that conversation with you beginning by telling us exactly what intuitive eating is. Uh, For me, intuitive eating is really listening to your body and your body's wisdom and intuition around what foods you should be eating. And I would venture to say that, you know, it even goes beyond, you know, it goes beyond food as well. But I think food is a great place for it to start. And then you can start listening into, into your body's wisdom and intuition when it comes to rest or working out or anything really in your life. But um, with Eat With Intention and with a lot of my work, food is something that, you know, we all have to eat every day. Mm. (laughs) And it's a great foundational tool to really start listening. Yeah, you're so right. When you just sort of were saying that, I was thinking so often, I mean, I've even thought that we have to, perhaps create more mindfulness or intention in other areas of our lives and then that would then flow on to our relationship with food but you're so right in that you know we're eating three if not more times a day what a great place to cultivate a generally um, intentional practice absolutely what breaks our intuitive eating behaviors what what breaks yeah, I guess what, what puts us out of touch? Well, I think I think we're just actually not accustomed to intuitive eating anymore. We've kind of, we're kind of raised, um, you know, in this culture that it's totally normal to, you know, be eating your pizza while watching your favorite show. Mm. Um, it's totally normal to be grabbing your breakfast in your car on your way to work. Um, It becomes so normal to be, you know, even eating your lunch in your car or, you know, I saw it depends on where in the world you live, but some statistics are pretty terrifying, the amount of us that are eating 
meals in our car alone. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, and the amount of us that are, meet, you know, eating something or, you know, shoving something in our mouths is what I should really be calling it because it's not really eating. Um, it's just putting something in our mouth while we're working or we're watching something or we're, you know, in the middle of something else. And as a whole, um, you know, so many of us have just lost the reverence and the ritual that food used to be. Mm. You know, I think there are a lot of um, European places that, you know, still have have a little bit of, bit of it going on with their tradition and their culture. But it really is, you know, it used to be where, you know, you have your morning coffee and you literally sit down I'll never forget the first time I went to Paris and it was so hard, like it was hard for me to find a to-go coffee cup. And all of the places were like, no, sit, just sit down and have your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, but I want to walk and have my coffee and like be on my phone, you know? And it was a revelation to just like, even though it was only going to take me maybe 10 minutes to drink my little cup of coffee, you know, because they don't, you're not serving you the like super venti crazy things that we do here in the States. Yeah. But, um, you know, just to be with it and to enjoy it. And, you know, so I don't think it's anybody's, I don't, it's not like anybody's fault. It's not that we do anything to kind of sabotage it. It's almost like we are sabotaged by society. And so to be the person that, you know, it's funny because, you know, when people come over or even like uh, my assistant, when she first started working for me, you know, when I, when I like sit down to have breakfast and I literally sit at my dining room table and have like coffee and you know, whatever I'm eating for breakfast that day, I'm not doing anything else. And it mm. actually like, makes people uncomfortable. It's yes. really funny um, that I'm just eating, that I'm like not on my phone. I remember, you know, the first time my assistant um, stayed for lunch and I, you know, I made her some lunch and she was in the middle of working on a project and um, I was like, all right, it's time for lunch. And she was like, okay. And she just brought her laptop to the table <laughs> and was like, oh, thanks. You know, and was just like going back. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just so natural. Like she almost felt until, you know, obviously I was like, you work for Miss E with intention, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> but like... <laughs> But she actually felt that, like, it would have been weird for her to shut her laptop and take whatever time it took for her to, you know, eat her lunch. Yeah. And that's just how programmed we are right now. So um, I think it it really is just the fact that we live in this, you know, in general, we're, we're losing a lot of connection with our intuition and, and losing connection with the present moment and really savoring and enjoying things mm. because we are so like, oh my God, what's going to happen if I don't check Instagram right now? You know, I need to be multitasking. We're like the multitasking generation. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. So yeah, yeah. so it, it actually does feel when you start to do it, it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels different. Yeah, I can personally understand and relate to that. And I'm sure that listeners will agree as well. I think even um, being in Bali and seeing the way that um, the locals will slow down and um, just eat 
their food just you know sit there and have a a bowl of bakso or whatever and I walk past and it's and it's I almost feel uncomfortable um I mean I'm very inspired because I think I need to be doing that more often just eating and enjoying that moment um, but then I also noticed that that then flows into other areas of their life in that they're happy to sit there doing nothing, just watching the world go by or just sitting with friends and not even talking and just being. So I think they're very good at whether they're consciously, um, intentionally eating or, you know, they they seem to be quite mindful, but then it also has a ripple effect into the other areas of their life. Yeah, totally. It definitely, it has had such a ripple effect into other areas of my life as well. Mm. And I feel like when you, because food is something like that we do every day. So when you build a ritual around food and you build that habit around food, then all of a sudden, you know, after you're done eating the food, (laughs) you know, you sit there and you notice the view or you take that moment um, for yourself. Mm. Yeah. And you realize just how much, you know, how much richer life is in those moments. I love going on walks. I like, it's like this thing I do where I'll just go on a walk for like 15 minutes in my neighborhood and I just like take it all in and I'm just there and I'm just like soaking it up and it's not, you know, I'm not answering emails on my walk, you know, I try to not be like on the phone or anything like that unless, you know, whatever, I have to take a call. Mm. But it's, you know, it's so nice to just be like, I, literally, I can just be walking, you know? And I think even with, like, music, right? We're always, like, I definitely notice this in myself. I'm, like, always listening to music. Yeah. It's like, what if you don't listen to music, yeah. right? Or what if you actually just really listen to music, you know, and you put music on you just sit, right? That's, like, well, that. then you're, like, it's, it's bizarre. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and so funny yeah I I can completely appreciate all of that um I would love for you to share with especially for listeners who if this is the first time that they're um meeting you or coming across you what inspired your um I guess choice and decision to bring more intention and intuition to your own eating habits yeah, for most of my life, I, you know, since I was like five, um, I remember struggling from body image and disordered eating and just having a really complicated relationship with food mm-hmm. uh, and my body. And it got to the point where, I mean, forget about enjoying it. I don't, you know, it, it was either like it was like, I was either indulging in it or I was restricting from it. Um, It was just like this very volatile relationship with it. And then when I was in college, um, I ended up getting really sick with, uh, I didn't know at the time, but it was with food allergies. But I just, you know, was in tremendous amounts of pain. I didn't know what was going on. I was really scared. And it was the first time I was getting all these tests and trying to figure it out. And it was the first time that I, um, I really, like, I, I really wanted to take care of my body. Um, yeah. and, and that taking care of my body actually trumped it being a size zero. 
And I think, you know, up until that time, my body had been relatively healthy, you know, give or take. And so it, it had just been like a non thing. It was like, well, of course my body's healthy now. If only it could be tiny. And and then once I got really scared and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like nobody can figure out why I'm in so much pain or all this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. And I got to this place where I was really just like, I want to to help you. I want to nourish you. I don't want to have this relationship with you anymore. Yeah. And that's what first ha- was the first catalyst really of me having that conversation with my body of me really you know putting my hands on my stomach and my heart and really just asking it and being like I don't know what to do like please help me and you know at the time it, it you know I wasn't super spiritual or you know I hadn't really done a lot of meditation or anything like that but it was just a very instinctive self-preservation instinct that kind of came up and when I did it I realized that my body really wanted to to help me mm-hmm. and I started like hearing you know kind of hearing things as you do um and being like I don't know is that crazy like did I make that up <laughs> um and and I, that's, that's kind of how I got tipped on to it being food allergies because I was being given all these blood tests and nothing was coming up in any of the blood tests. So they were pretty much dismissing me at the doctor's. Um, but yet I was in so much pain I could barely walk. And when I got this hit, when I like finally had that night, it was being so desperate, I got, you know, look at food allergies. And I was guided to, you know, some books on eliminating certain foods I was reading about all these different kinds of you know different people who live on different diets and how that affects them yeah and I just started you know I I pretty much went essentially without without intentionally knowing what it was classified as um I went vegan and gluten-free and and I eliminated all of the top allergens like I went pretty extreme but for the first time, it wasn't from a place of wanting to be skinny. It was really from a place of wanting to figure it out and wanting to, like, get rid of whatever it was that was hurting my body so much. Mm. Uh, and within three days, I felt like a new person. All my pain stopped once I eliminated um, all the foods and um, was eating, you know, mostly plants and and um, gluten-free grains and stuff. And... I really began this more intuitive dialogue with my body where it was like, obviously I wasn't, um, you know, I was get, wasn't going to live on that restricted of a diet forever. But what I started doing was when I started incorporating things back, I really incorporated them slowly. And I asked my, my body, you know, how does this work for you? Does this feel good for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of how it all began because I really started realizing that, when I slowed down enough to just have that conversation with my body, you know, my body was really good at letting me know what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And it was just that I was so used to not paying attention and so used to like kind of putting it through the ringer that that I had never noticed before. Yeah. And before you started to feel ill and the food allergy symptoms came up, were you, um, I guess, because you're saying that you felt so much better when you 
even just after three days we're eating um, more of a plant-based diet and um, eliminating gluten before that time were you sort of not having many plants or um you know having too much sort of of the things that you know generally don't make us feel great do you think that's why it was so drastic or yeah well I think it was a lot of things uh I was not eating I had really disordered eating patterns so I was not eating healthy you know I was having you know like uh uh like not until like named call out any name specifically but my my yeah. thing up until that point was like special k like which is just like a, a diet cereal kind mm. of thing with uh skim milk and then i would have like iceberg lettuce salads with like fat-free ranch dressing and i was pretty much eating like a lot of things that were pretty devoid of na nutrients yeah um and then what would happen because I get, uh, you know, I was living primarily off those two things, like an apple here or there, that, um, you know, every once in a while I would binge. And when I would binge, that would be when I would have like chicken fingers or pizza or, you know, whatever the thing was. Yeah. Um, something more intense. So I was really abusing my body. Yeah. Um, so, of and- course, naturally, when you start to actually have this nutrient dense food, that's going to make a huge difference. And that I love how you, that sort of, I guess, wasn't your intention even around, oh, I must have X amount of nutrients because that in itself can be a, a form of disordered eating, but it's rather how can I help you and heal you and open this conversation and start to notice what feels good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I honestly think it was more, you know, I think it's more than the nutrients and I think in all the work I've done with women and just experimenting with myself over the years, you know, yes, I'm sure my body was so happy to start getting like vegetables and like real food um, after many years of not really giving it anything really, you know, juicy. Mm. <laughs> um, but I also think uh, one of the biggest difference was that attitude adjustment and was the intention I was eating it with and was my shift in my relationship with it because, you know, I really do believe and, um, you know, if you look at any of the, you know, the research around like, you know, the, the, the different water crystals and how if you speak to water differently, it actually affects the structure, the molecular structure of it. I really do believe that, I mean, food is the same. And so your, di- your digestion works better when you're happier your digestion works better when you're at peace. And so if you're eating something, let's say you are eating, you know, uh, French fries. You know, if you're eating French fries from a place of, you know, just enjoying yourself and enjoying them and from a a loving place, um, your body knows how to handle them and digest them. And you know, if you're eating those same french fries, but from a place of either, you know, being like, oh, you know, having some negative self-talk in the background because of them and, or, or vice versa, you know, eating the kale salad because you're like, you're, you have to eat this kale salad because it, you're not, you're not skinny enough. So you don't deserve anything else. You know, yeah. when you eat anything from that kind of negative place, then your body has trouble assimilating those nutrients from it. it has trouble digesting it so you can get you know a stomach ache from the kale salad just as easily as you'll get a stomach ache from you know french fries or something yeah absolutely so 
Would you say that that, because this kind of leads into my next question, would you say that that attitude and mindset is the first step to starting with intuitive eating? Because that's what I'd love to hear your your tips and for those to be shared with listeners on, yeah, how to begin this journey. Yeah, absolutely. I do think the the first step is to make peace with your body, is to, and you know, depending on what your relationship, I really believe that all of us have somewhat complicated relationships with our body. Yeah. And, you know, whether you classify that or not, I think to have a body is to have an interesting relationship with it. So to, to just get on the same page with it. And so, you know, whether that is, you know, one of the practices I have with some of my clients do is write a letter to their body um, and just kind of get it all out. Just like you would like a, a friend or, you know, a partner. Just be like, listen, body, I know, like, I've been frustrated with you over the years. I know sometimes I've said mean things about you. I know sometimes I've been angry at you for X, Y, and Z, or maybe I've pushed you to hard at spin class, or, you know, or maybe I, you know, have wished you were smaller in this area or bigger in this area, whatever your truth is around that, and kind of just come clean to your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then just, you know, at telling your body and really saying, hey, I know this is how I've been in the past and I'm sorry. I want to start fresh. I want to have a good relationship with you. I want to take care of you. I realize how much you do for me. I realize how lucky I am to have you, you know, to to hold me through this life, to be my, you know, physical earth suit, so to speak. Yeah. And and I'm ready to start listening. And I want to take I want to know you know, how to take care of you the best and I want to know how to feed you the best and I just want to do right by you. Um, I think that's a really important first step is to just, because our bodies truly, truly, truly are here to guide us and they've been giving us the, they've been talking to us our whole lives. So it's really just us letting, you know, opening the doors to be able to listen. Yeah, saying, well, I'm, I'm here together with you, let's do this. Let's do this. I want to listen. Um, there's also a meditation that you know I can give you a link to that I have on YouTube that's for loving and accepting your body. And I kind of walk you through doing that just in a meditation where you kind of uh, you know make your amends to your body and you ask it to you know you ask it to to speak to you and you ask it a few questions. And I, I highly recommend. Um, if you have a regular meditation practice, you could do this after your meditation practice in the morning. Yeah. Or you can even do this for a few moments in bed before you get out for the day where you just put your hands on, you know, on your heart and on your navel and you just ask, you know, how have I been treating you? Is there anything that you need right now to feel better? Is there um, anything that I'm giving you that's not working for you, you know? And you just kind of open that door and you ask to have a conversation with it because I think when we really do take the time to tune in and and start noticing and we want to show up for that conversation with our body, um, it's it's right there. It's waiting for us. It's just that so many of us, you know, are so busy with everything else we're doing in our lives that we don't we don't give it that reverence and we don't take that space to really ask those questions that are so important. Absolutely, and I think or this has definitely been my own experience and not just with 
um, my relationship with food, but just with tapping into our intuition and getting connected with our body in general, the first few times sort of nothing might come up, but then the more you do it, things start to, you know, pop up and that relationship evolves. And then all of a sudden when you're tuning in, something will sort of pop up really quickly. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like any other relationship in your life, right? It's kind of like if you don't talk for years, <laughs> then, you know, you might have to show up and like, you know, show up to that conversation a few times before like it gets really juicy and you start getting um, deeper with it. But mm. I'm glad that you said that because I think sometimes people get discouraged the first few times if they're like, I'm not hearing anything. It doesn't want to tell me. Um, and it, it, the truth is, is that it does want to tell you. And there are so many ways that our body speaks to us. It's not just like, you know, yes, when I'm in my meditation and I'm asking my body what it needs right now, I do actually hear something. But but our body speaks in way more ways than that. You know, it speaks by your energy levels. It speaks by um, the things that you're more attracted to. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you notice yourself, you know, if you're walking through the farmer's market or in the produce section, notice like literally what catches your eye. Our bodies are so brilliant. Um, your eye will literally be drawn to the fruits or vegetables that have the nutrients that your body needs. It's that, um, it's that magical of a machine. Yeah. And, and same thing, like if you're eating something and you just notice that like you don't, you just feel you know, kind of wonky after it, or you just don't feel energized after it. You know, there, there are so many little subtle cues that you can kind of start learning how to, how to speak your body's language. Yeah, absolutely. What movement feels good for my body and yeah. Yeah. So once we begin to start practicing those things, such as the writing or, um, doing a meditation how can we begin to create more ritual with food on a day-to-day -day basis so the first thing that I would do is um, make sure that the times that you have to eat you actually can sit down um, and you actually can, even if it's, you know, even if you can't take a full hour, even if it's like 15 minutes or 20 minutes where you can actually really be present while you're eating. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, one of my, one of the biggest things is making it, uh, aesthetically pleasing. Honestly, this is so important. Yes. Um, you know, having beautiful breakfast bowls or breakfast plates or mugs that make you happy things that, you know, um, are really, and you don't have to spend a lot of money on that. I mean, you could go to a thrift store. Um, you, you can find like some really cute pieces that are just special. And so then even if you're having like the same avocado toast that you have every day, you know, putting it on that special plate. And like, I have like gold silverware. I love it. It makes yes. me so happy just eating with it. I love you know? it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just little things like that. They really do matter. Um, and, and the same thing, like going the extra mile. I think sometimes, you know, when you go out to a nice restaurant or you go out to, you know, now, honestly, one of the, one of the only things I will, will say that Instagram has really been great for mindfulness with 
um, is really because of like this whole trend of like the smoothie bowls and all this like health food. It's actually having a lot more of us take the five seconds, you know, 30 seconds to just make our food attractive. Yeah. Um, and how much more enjoyable is that same smoothie when we like artfully put our fruit on it and granola, um, it's so much more of an experience than just like slapping, you know, it's just pouring your smoothie into a cup and like sipping it as you're on your way to work. 100%. So I would say that's a big thing at first, you know, and then same thing. If you're, if you're out to lunch, even if you're with friends and stuff, making a point to, you know, one of the things I, um, I do that also kind of like sometimes can freak people out when they first meet me. Um, is when I'm out with people and we're eating, if, if I'm like, if, if I'm in the middle of a conversation or I'm talking, I'm not eating. And, and when I'm eating, I'm eating. And you'd be surprised the the amount of people, um, and, and just, if you're not even thinking about it, how you can be like eating and talking and eating and talking. Mm. Um, and when you're doing that, you're not like you're not paying attention, you're not fully paying attention to anything really, <laughs> right? Yeah. So just being like you can, you know, sure you can be listening to someone and 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 eating. Uh, you don't have to like just not eat for the entire time if someone's talking. Yeah, family dinners but, might not go, <laughs> might not be but, very interactive otherwise. <laughs> but you know, like let someone else, when someone else has the mic, so to speak, Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, then that's when you can focus a little bit more on your food and enjoy that. Um, and, and, you know, one of the, the things I advocate around that is I have this process in Eat With Intention called the Food Mood Journal. And so um, it's you log every meal that you're doing throughout the day and just what you're eating and how you're feeling when you eat it and about an hour or two after you eat it. And I always tell people to do it for at least two weeks. And if you do this process for two weeks, and again, it's not about changing how you eat. It's not about like eating super healthy for these two weeks. It's really just about eating like a normal two weeks. And the more normal you keep it and the less you try to change to like show off for journaling, um, the better your results are. <laughs> because you get a look at what are my autopilot foods? What are the foods that I'm eating because I'm rushed in the morning or the foods that I'm eating because that's the coffee shop that I always stop at on my way to the work. Uh, to work. What is the place that I'm like, you know, what's the place I'm always defaulting to for takeout on a busy day, you know? And you start seeing all of the, the, the patterns of how you eat that are actually just, that are actually just repetitive behaviors and not active conscious choices anymore. Mm. And so then it's about taking back that freedom with it and being like, okay, well, so now I notice that every time I go to the deli with my coworkers, I'm always getting that same sandwich because that's just the sandwich I always get at the deli. <laughs> and, you know, and actually just paying attention and being like, is am I getting this sandwich because it's my favorite sandwich because it makes me feel great for the rest of the afternoon and this is like my go-to sandwich? <laughs> or am I just getting the sandwich because I got it one day three months ago and never stopped getting it and it actually makes me unfocused and end up having to have another coffee like an hour afterwards just to get through the afternoon. Yeah. And then exploring other things and trying, you know, trying out different places, trying out different menu items and and just being in more of a conscious relationship with your food. Yeah. Um, I think that, that journaling exercise in and of itself helps you 
be more mindful. And then you organically shift things and tune in and you're like, oh, wow, I noticed that, you know, that bagel is super convenient, but it hasn't really been setting me up for success for a while now. So why don't I play around and like try the new smoothie place on the way to the office or try, you know, having a yogurt at home or, you know, whatever it is. It's not, then it becomes not so much about, I'm a big advocate for not, I really believe that we all know how we should be eating, <laughs> right? On a deep yeah. level, we should eat more plants, more whole foods, less processed foods. So then within that, it's really just about you tuning in and finding finding what works for you and what feels best for you and your body by just being more conscious. Yeah, and the Food Mood Journal would do that because through practicing I guess through noticing what feels good and what doesn't repeatedly for a period of time, that in itself is a form of, I guess, allowing us to make an educated decision for want of a better word, a, an intuitively guided decision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then Beautiful. you start noticing that, you know, after you stop doing it and you just, you know, operate in real life, you start noticing that you just, you're paying attention to that stuff. So, you know, you pay attention to, you know, before you're ordering that thing or when you're asking yourself, what do I want for breakfast? You know, just tuning in and, you know, let's say when you're you're making that call or you're at the restaurant with someone, you tune in and you look at the different things on the menu and you're like, oh, okay, so if I have the veggie burger, that this is how I might feel later. Um, if I have this, this is how I'm going to feel later. And you can kind of make, you make different decisions because you're actually tuning into, okay, what, what does my body need right now? What feels attractive to my body right now? Um, and how do I think it's going to make me feel? Am I okay with that? Yeah. And I guess that could even go in the reverse in that, gosh, I think as a teen, I would only sort of order the salads because for the whole, you know, you want to be skinny and all that sort of stuff. And I know that now I'll look at a menu and it's I, I'm not going straight to that section of the menu to see what's there. It's what's on the whole menu. And sometimes that decision is actually, I would really like a burger today. And I think having practiced this sort of stuff um, myself, sometimes, I don't know if you find this, but when I will order the burger, like I don't finish it anyway because I've really enjoyed every mouthful and I feel so satisfied. And then, you know, um, other behaviors, like then you don't feel the need to have a binge or anything because you haven't deprived yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And then I, I think you also notice that the days and you want a salad, you actually are excited to have the salad. You're like, yes. no, I'm actually feeling like a salad today. It's not mm. like I'm not getting a salad for punishment. <laughs> yes. Like, actively choosing that I could have anything on this menu but the thing that would make me feel the best is a salad and that also comes from just like you said being able to say hey on the days that you're like oh you know it would feel really good right now some like mac and cheese or whatever you know the fact that you allow yourself to have it and you honor that and you probably don't feel the need to eat it all and if you feel the need to eat it all then, you know, likely, naturally, your body will self-regulate and at the next meal might want something lighter and might, you know, your body loves variety. So if you're listening to it, then it's really great because if you're like, oh, wow, I like, you know, I had 
ice cream today or whatever it is. You Maybe you wanted ice cream, <laughs> you know? And it's like, fine. And then your body will naturally balance out. And then the next morning you're going to wake up and maybe you're like, oh, actually, you know, actually I'm craving some fresh fruit or something, you know? Mm. Um, when you're tuning in and you're not saying, I, I agree with you. I think binging is a, a huge thing that so many people deal with undercover and don't want to talk about. And it really does come from, from, from the restricting and, and then feeling like, oh, okay, there's so much. Um, it's like when you make, like when you were a kid, if your parents made, you know, if you had a 9 p.m. curfew, then, you know, staying up till 10 p.m. was like this holy grail. And when you got to stay up at 10 p.m., that last hour was like so juicy. Mm. But if your parents never put a 9 p.m. curfew on you, then you'd probably like, if you were tired at 9, would just go to bed at 9. You didn't care about staying up till 10. Whereas if you had a 9 p.m. curfew and like for whatever reason your parents were letting you have an extra hour, it would not matter if you were like exhausted at 9 p.m. You'd stay up for the extra hour just because it's like yeah, not me or whatever. <laughs> Uh, we do the same stuff with food, you know, whenever we say, I mean, that's why diets don't work. It's because the second you say, all right, you know, you can eat everything but chocolate chip cookies. Then all of a sudden, like, you never wanted chocolate chip cookies and now you, like, can't stop fantasizing about chocolate chip cookies. Um, yeah, and it, it just hurts us. Whereas if you don't put anything, you know, I have things that are off limits, but they're not off limits from a like I've decided they're off limits kind of place. Yeah, they're off limits because my body's decided in a very big way that they're off limits that they don't work for them, and so I don't want to put things in my body that are gonna violate it in such a way, and so therefore they're off limits. I don't, but I don't fantasize about them. Or I don't feel like I'm missing out because I can't eat them. Because it's coming from a place of you, like, why would you, you wouldn't want to hurt yourself. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Why would you go there? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. One final question. And I guess Mm -hmm. this is, it's all well and good to, I guess, um, recommend and as people begin to practice bringing um, more mindfulness into their eating behaviors and beginning to meditate and journal and you know discuss some brilliant tips but what about when you're in that moment and you know all of this and you have all of the information and you've still got the negative talk coming up what's your tip to I guess catch yourself in that moment and consciously choose to rewire those thoughts to loving ones to I guess continue to strengthen the relationship and intuition when it comes to food yeah um so this is a big one and it's important because I think a lot of us have a I like to call it our nasty roommate Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like this mean roommate Um, that can live in our head around all sorts of things, but especially loves to come out around food and body stuff um, and likes to say those mean things and likes to make you feel bad for eating that cookie or for, um, you know, for however you're, you know, for your jeans being tight today or for you not being, for you, you know, eating that lunch in the car after you listen to that podcast about mindful eating, you know? Um, 
And and so I think it's really one just to notice that it's not you. I think that was a really big help, really big breakthrough for me. Mm-hmm. Was that when I start realizing that that voice was is not me, that voice. And you can you can give her um, me and uh, some of my girlfriends. We call her Edith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like you know a name of someone that would be like you know, yelling at you or something. Um, and so I call her Edith. And so when Edith is acting up, I'm like, Oh, Edith, you're such a bee. Um, and, and I laugh at her now. Um, you know, and even like before I could laugh at her, I would just start recognizing that that's not me. Um, so I would talk back, you know, I think it's when we self identify with that voice as being ourself that, that we get into the trouble. Yeah. So, when we realize that like, oh, like I remember, you know, going into Cheyenne bridesmaid dresses like a few years ago and and having Edith kind of pipe up and say, oh gosh, like can't believe you have to go up a size. Like you probably shouldn't eat lunch today, you know? And I just started like cracking up hysterical in the dressing room. And I was like, you know, you're so, you're such a jerk, you know? And, and so now, like, it's not, I mean, I'd say when you, when you get practice at it and you start disassociating with it and you start really, like, talking back to it or even laughing at it, I highly recommend, I recommend that in the book and it's a tactic that I use all the time because it really diffuses it, Yeah. you know? And oftentimes when you, if you just try that on, if you try thinking of it as, like, this, like, rude, mean, nasty roommate that you have in your head, um, you'll also start hearing it a little bit differently, and some of the stuff will actually be funny because you'll be like, wow, that is so ridiculous. You know, yeah. you know, like, wow, I had like, you know, I decided to order French fries instead of the side salad. And now you're telling me that I'm going to, you know, you know, I, I'm never going to find love and I'm just going to be, you know, all, all this thing and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and then you actually start hearing it for what it is. Right. And realizing that it's actually not your truth. Um, that it really is just this like crazy extra voice um, and you can talk back to it and you can say, all right, well, that's great. Thanks for your opinion. But like, I'm just going to enjoy my fries. So you can just bring that to someone else today. Yeah. Um, and, and I really, I do think, you know, it's something that you have to really want it and you have to show up for it because in theory, that sounds like, oh, that's great. Like just think of it as a roommate, just talk back to it or laugh at it and stuff like that. But you really have to do the push-ups around it. Like you have to, you know, really commit to that. And every time it comes up, because especially in the beginning or at certain times, there's going to be some really vulnerable times where it's going to pipe up. It's going to try to catch you off guard. It's going to yeah. try to trick you. All of a sudden, it's going to realize that it's like super obnoxiously mean things that have been working on you aren't working. So then it it slips in with the like, oh, but you know, maybe you should just you know, it's fine, you don't have to skip lunch, but maybe you should just get the salad and, and work out tonight, you know? Yeah. And it'll, like, soften a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and so you have to stay up on it. But I will say, just for anyone who's listening who's really struggling with that, that, um, you know, it, it's been, God, it's been like a decade now for me um, since that voice is really, really loud and running the show. And it does... The more, the less power you give to it, and the less you you really honor it as your truth, the softer it gets, 
and you know it has its moments where it pipes up again at different points in your life or different points during your menstrual cycle but um but for the most part it really does it really will dissipate if you keep on showing up for that practice um and it's amazing i can just say as someone that like had that voice kind of run her life for you know 15 years or so um to have that not be a a big part of it it's not really like a consistent thing anymore i think it you know like anyone it you know it will pop up here and there and i can laugh at it and catch it but it really does work if you if you show up for the work and you do it yeah that's such a perfect place to close i think there's always there's always work it's it's always comes down to us and nothing sort of when it comes to these personal experiences sort of comes freely we've really got to as you say show up and want to do it and cultivate that change yeah Mm, beautiful Cassandra thank you so much for sharing your time and stories and awesome tips with us today I have no doubt that those listening will definitely take a extra boost of inspiration and hopefully carry that inspiration into their relationship with their food today and beyond this episode Um, I just really appreciate having you on so thank you oh thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure chatting with you for those listening, details and links to the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes at casadakarma.com.au forward slash eat with intention. So that's eat dash with dash intention. If you have enjoyed today's episode with Cassandra, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes or a heart on SoundCloud, depending on where you're tuning in. And of course, subscribe for more conversations like this, where I chat with experts helping you to live in epic wellness.